All right, welcome to this week's edition of UJ Sports Live. My name is Roddy Nabolsi. I am joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan. Jim Donnan is, of course, the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach and the main reason everybody's tuned in. And, of course, we appreciate Coach making time for us to uh, uh, join us and talk about uh, the Georgia Bulldogs and talk about uh, the scrimmage and injuries and depth charts and all the fun stuff that Coach has great insight into that you won't get anywhere else. So please hit that like button and let us know where you're watching the show from. We would greatly appreciate it. Coach, I'm going to go straight to you. I'm going to ignore Dane because it's pretty easy to do. And I want to get your thoughts on the scrimmage. And I know that uh, we make a big deal out of it. We had a bunch of people go to UGA Sports and that had gone to the scrimmage and they gave their two cents and everything. And I read a lot into it that I probably shouldn't have. Uh, the people who went, you know, after I spoke to a bunch of um, parents and uh, McGill Society donors and sources inside the program, you know, I was – Thought the defensive line looked great. Was worried about some of the drops. Worried about the kicking. I, I don't want to say I got. Uh, I know not to analyze it too harshly, but we still do as a fan base, as journalists. We don't have a ton of information, so we take what little we have and we expound it uh, exponentially. But give me your thought. What what were they trying to learn? What were they trying to determine? What were they trying to implement in this first scrimmage? And are we overreacting as we always do? Well, you're the one that's got all the info on it because I don't know much about it because uh, I, I, I really don't. Uh, only thing I can say is that I know from a, a tactical pers perspective what they're trying to do is analyze their players, see how they react in front of uh, game situations. I know uh, they, they always do a lot of situational work uh, to uh, like red zone uh end of game, uh, third down, and things like that. But essentially, the first scrimmage is always very difficult because you haven't tackled, you haven't been tackled, you haven't run full speed kicking uh, with people, you know, uh, going, I don't know that they go to the ground, but it's still different. So you worry about blocks in the back and things like that. But, uh, you know, the it's a situation where you've got uh, – three more weeks before the first game. And this next scrimmage will be kind of like the, the last preseason game for a pro team and that you're going to really get a good feel for who your roster is going to be. And after this Saturday, they'll cut down to not necessarily scout teams, but they'll know pretty much who their first two units are going to be uh, and then go from there. So I would say this one's going to be even more uh, – analytical because they'll, they'll probably build in more competition uh, for certain uh, types of uh, game type situations. So, but from my perspective, I still feel good about our roster. I feel good about uh, where we are as a, as an old coach, you worry about trying to prove to your team that how hard they need to work to be yeah. ready. But at the same time, working them so hard against each other that maybe something might happen that would, would cause an injury. But you, you can't be scared of that. But uh, there's a real paradox there. You want to make the team feel like, hey, we're not ready. But you know deep down, even if we're not, we're probably better than most teams are playing. Yeah, was, uh, one of the comments that came out was that Kirby was accusing everybody of having a pillow fight out there, asking who wants to hit. But at the same time, you know he doesn't want anybody to get injured. And we heard that, uh, well, he confirmed that Raven Wilson had a hyperextended knee. We don't know the extent of it, but 
seemed to get out with uh, mostly unscathed. But to your point, Kirby wanted to hear some pads popping out there. And uh, it wasn't, from what we were told, it wasn't a very sloppy practice. There weren't a lot of, like you mentioned, you know, blocks in the back and uh, offsides, stuff like that. But it was hot. Everybody that came out of it said it was just brutally hot. How, how do you handle that? I mean, when you're trying to evaluate guys, uh, do you ever factor in the heat? Or you're like, well, hell, it's hot for everybody. If you didn't perform, then you didn't perform. That's on you. Yeah, you got to factor that in. And uh, Ron Corson keeps a real good uh, uh, feel for that as far as the heat indicator because there gets to be a point where uh, you got to be careful about these big guys and, and the smaller guys. And you add the anxiety of the first scrimmage uh, to the to the makeup of these players where they're, uh, you know, sweating profusely and, and working out and going against good players. So that adds to the to the situation where you might get some cramping. But I do feel like you got to test your team and, and, uh, and see how their conditioning is. But we just go back to what we've said throughout the uh, fall and the spring is uh, <clears throat> we've had our team here all summer. So their conditioning should be good. But, uh, you know, he's the ultimate taskmaster. He knows how to handle his team. He knows how to use the psychological edge based on what he thinks and anybody that's listening to that and portraying it to you or to anybody else only sees the one side of it. They probably don't hear the 50 times he's given guys a lot of love out there practice during the week, maybe during the year 50 times. I don't think. <laughs> Come on. You name, you name the player. He's given. You don't, you, don't hear, you don't see the behind the scenes pats no. on the butt or the, or the meeting time where you say, I can see where you would have done this and you, you probably uh, made the right decision here. And, uh, you know, I was getting on you about it, but I, I just think that uh, the general perspective of, of somebody watching the scrimmage is they're just going to react or overreact to anything that he says, yeah. because that's what they like. They want to hear it. I mean, they, they're, you know, they want to hear all that stuff. And uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm a guy that's a little bit not as concerned about what he's saying as about the reason he's saying it. So uh, I feel like without question, he's a master motivator. I said that before, and he knows what how to get his team ready. Sure. You know, a couple of years ago, I mentioned to him uh, about, you know, are we with, with – the next opponent, are we overdoing it here? Uh, well, what's our practice? You know, are we, we going a little bit too long or something like that? Because he likes for me once in a while to say something like that. And he said, look, this is a proven template. This is what we've done uh, since 2004. This is the way we do things. And we got built in uh, safeguards to uh, take care of if we go over by cutting back the next day or things like that, which I hadn't thought about. So, I haven't made any suggestions about stuff like that <laughs> anymore. But uh, when you look at the people he has advising him, he, he has a strength coach that's all on top of the conditioning and tell him if we need to cut back or if we need to go harder. He's got a nutritionist that's weighing these guys in every day. You got a guy looking at the uh, the GPS, checking their monitors as of everything about their system, uh, uh, if they're going hard enough, if they're going too hard, uh, the, the stress levels, uh, 
they got a, a lady that's in charge of uh, monitoring any concussions and and uh, full time. So I mean they, these these coaches have a lot of access to other uh, avenues to make sure their players are ready. Coach, I know that you don't get to play at Georgia unless you practice well, but are there players, just from your experience of being a coach, that in a scrimmage they perform a little bit better because the stakes are a little bit higher? Or we've heard the the tropes about people just being gamers. Like, does, Is that something you see as a coach, or does it all go down to you better practice well every time? Certainly a good question. And I think in the past, like 20, 30 years ago, guys might be – gamers because you didn't practice with the intensity that you do now because uh, it's been proven that going one against one and uh, competition level on all drills uh, makes your team better even though you maybe have to bite the bullet and worry about injuries. In the past, you know, the first scrimmage, we would maybe go one versus three and try to build confidence and and uh, get the reps down and uh, – then maybe go one versus two. Very seldom one versus one because you worry about the injuries. But uh, so I think the gamer part, if you if you're not good enough in these scrimmages, you're probably not gonna be a gamer around here because you're going against the kind of guys you're gonna go against in practice. But certainly a good question, but I think that's like kind of buckle shoes. That's kind of gone by the wayside here. You don't gamer stuff that you just you know, when you cut the lights on, that, that's not anymore. If you if you can't cut your lights on at practice here, you're probably not going to do it in the game. And that's the that's been a real difference because we would go to high schools and see guys that uh, you go to a practice because you want to talk to a four star or five star kid, and oh, he's not at practice today. He's at his grandma's house or something, or uh, he's over on the side riding a bike because he's saving himself for Friday night. And, uh, we we'd see that a lot. You know, it's the the star player got star treatment, and I've been doing this a long time. And I remember some guys, you know, you, you would hear about guys within the program. Oh, he had a bad practice, but don't worry on Saturday against Tennessee, he's going to turn it on. You know, and then sure enough, Saturday against Tennessee, you know, as coach would say, you don't only see taillights. So, uh, but I thought that was a great question. Dan, Cause I always wondered about that. The guys who are just, I, I'll do it when the lights are on, but I'm not, I don't want to do it on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. It's just too much. So. And, and because of the competition here, and the depth that we have as evidenced by the recruiting rankings, I feel like that you have to earn your spurs and they got a definitive process. If you don't practice by Wednesday, the week of the game, you're not going to start the game. You might be able to get in, but he feels like a guy that's earned the reps and practice and earned the right to be on the team because and you get punished a little bit for being injured, but, the same time you gotta it's not fair to a guy to go out there and bust his hump and do everything and then a guy just you know walk out there and play on saturday so uh it, it's a it's a good system in place here and it's a proven one too i mean roddy that's why when you interview these guys at the nfl combine they say the practice at georgia was harder than most of the games yeah that's that's new that's new and i, I say new it's been like that way three or four years but that has been a, a very new phenomenon in the Kirby Smart era is hearing guys talk about, you know, hey, are you worried about uh, your Rams uh, minicamp? Hell no, I, I practiced in Georgia. Hey, are you worried about uh, this this combine? No, it's not worth We've already done combines in Georgia. I know what I'm going up against. So that's uh, 
to your point there. I do want to point out a couple of things from our war room at UGSports.com about the practice. Now, I understand we can't go. I was given an invitation to go to the scrimmage, but I turned it down because I know they would, when I showed up, they would just kick me out. No media is allowed. But we did have a bunch of people come to UGA Sports and kind of tell us what they saw. And, Coach, uh, you can comment on some of these. Granted, with the caveat that this wasn't, these weren't your eyes on there, these weren't my eyes on there. These are just what some of our readers said. And it was enough. Enough people said the same thing that I felt that we could include it in kind of a rundown of what we were told. We're told that Arian uh, Smith had some deep catches. Uh, Lad McConkie as well, which is no surprise there, but I'm kind of excited to hear about Arian Smith doing that. Uh, Oscar Delp had a uh, long uh, catch, like 60, 65 yards from Brock Vandegrift, so uh, hats off to him. Brock Bowers hardly played at all, which uh, you've said you want to see him in bubble wrap, so I think that's a good thing. And um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, you talked about they do third downs and uh, and red zone and different uh, situations like that. I don't know how in what situation this occurred, but I heard that uh, Lad McConkie had a couple third down conversions on jet sweeps. We've seen him run that. All that sounds to me like the offense was having a good day, but then we found out that they were also some drop balls and the defensive line was very strong and it wasn't as explosive an offense as maybe we were expecting. So kind of with that caveat, give me your thoughts. The only thing I would say is if you're a loyal Georgia guy, would you like for for uh, our opponent to know all this stuff? I mean, I just I just think it's bullshit that people write this stuff, but that, that's my opinion. I mean, <laughs> you they, said that last week. They got the ability to go in and watch it. Uh, maybe some of this stuff is gen generic, and as long as Kirby says it, that's one thing. But I, I really think that's a – from my standpoint, uh, I – I'm not adding much to this show about the scrimmage because I think, you know, if you have a company and you ask somebody, somebody come in and help you out and give you some advice and all, you don't want them putting that out on the internet that, uh, Hey, these people don't work hard enough. They don't do this. They had too, too, too many breaks. They did all, but, but I know it's part of the culture and everybody kind of gets their big deal. Like, Hey, I was able to post this stuff, but, uh, so everybody boo me, boo, boo, boo. Now, just say, give me your thoughts on the offense, just based on that idea. I'm not saying you have to comment on the actual uh, whether or not any of that's true. Like offense, uh, from my standpoint, what I saw in the spring, uh, what I saw in some summer workouts when I went over there, uh, and I feel good about uh, maybe a little bit worried about the running back depth right now because the injury to Branson Robinson and to Milton. Uh, and it's still got to be proven what the quarterbacks can do. But O line's right there. You got good receivers, rah rah, and and the uh, and Dominic will help too. So uh, I feel good about that. But I've said before that I, I really think that our defense is among the best we've had here. From a scheduling standpoint, just of what's happening for the team, we have one scrimmage that's been completed. Classes start on campus tomorrow, so Athens has been quite the busy place since Saturday when uh, students were moving in. But uh, football team's been around for a few weeks now. But it's uh, all the signs of a game day are coming, and it's that Athens is a busy place these days. Yeah, that's a good point. And for the fans out here, uh, the structure is going to change dramatically for the players because they've been sequestered in a over there at the student center. They've been living over there and eating there and some at, uh, at Bones over there on, on camp at the uh, 
that's mirror, but you know, it's it's kind of like a pro camp, twenty four seven. You know, you, you've got all all your demands are around football. But now with classes starting, uh, particularly the younger guys that haven't been to class, some of the freshmen were here in the spring. But you know, it's a big big change. I mean, they they have a actual orientation day where they take these kids and show them how to get on the bus and meet the perspective of getting to class and doing all that stuff, and then. When you get over there at three o'clock, you got to be ready with, ready to roll like you hadn't done anything else all day. So, it's a uh, it's a different, uh, different mentality that a young guy has to learn how to establish a routine. You know when to get up. You know he's got during the course of the day he's got tutoring, he's got weights, he's got a, a meeting with the special teams maybe, and you got to find a place to park over there at Buttsmere which is not easy, uh, or you, you know, if you're on a scooter where you do that. So it's a, it's a pretty big orientation here and a change from this. I would say the first day of classes, uh, the first practice, the first day of classes in the history of my coaching career was terrible. I mean, you might as well, I mean, it's just, it's nothing you can do about it. I mean, their minds are on other things I wasn't able to pick up my books. I, I couldn't do this. And they, they Kirby said that the last two years, he's complained about that first day of practice. I mean, first day of school. Totally gone from being 100% football to, you know, which now they got to be a student first, which is why you go to college. But it, it's definitely a, a, a change up. That, and and uh, But once they get in the routine and understand it, then they can get their body clock working and they know what to expect. From a Sunday, you know, their Sundays are off, and usually the guys have a voluntary weight situation. Then Monday they have a smaller practice, Tuesday, Wednesday, pretty heavy. But one of the things Kirby does, and I think Roddy has mentioned this before, I think I heard him, but, you know, they actually go through a game-type situation this Friday night. They'll actually go to the hotel uh, that they stay in, and they'll go to a movie. So the 80 to 85 people that are on the travel squad will get, get what it feels like, kind of a dry run. This is what we do the night before the game. And you think uh, it's going to be the Barbie movie? That's the kind of stuff that you like to put out because you're a smart ass. I mean, why don't you three are going to see the Barbie movie? Maybe it's Oppenheimer. I don't know. A lot of people like watching them together, back to back. Your tweets are like that. I mean, uh, some of these guys... <laughs> These guys don't know Barbie from a jar of Vicks vapor up. So uh, I, I don't know what the movie's going to be, but I'm just trying to add a little semblance to this deal, and you bust me up here. Yeah, but I, I, we reported that last year. I remember thinking, I can't believe I'm typing this out on the uh, computer. Georgia is doing a dry run on how to go to the damn movies. It, just, it blew my mind that, that they were practicing mid I don't say mid-camp because it's mid-spring, mid-fall practices. With 14 practices in, they still got 14 to go, and they're practicing going to the movies on a Friday night. It just blew my mind that they're like, okay, we're going to check in. We're going to show you what buses to get on, how to go there, what you do when you're there, and how we go back to the hotel and how we hit curfew. And it's like, let's practice travel squad. I'm like, that's my damn mind. The people watching it, it's not just like how do you go to the movie because unless you get 
the whole thing reserved. You're in there with other people. And right. you gotta show some respect. I mean, you just can't be over there laughing and giggling at at your buddy and uh, having, you know. I mean, I always talk to our players. Hey, this is a privilege for you to be on this group and keep it down. And I had a guy in charge of uh, when when there were started to be a little bit too much noise, you know, of making sure. And uh, when I was the coach at Marshall, I didn't have anybody, so I always had this. Hey. When they heard that, hey, they knew that I was mad and they better shut up. So, uh, and then, like you say, uh, getting on and off the bus, you can't be flip-flopping around. You can't keep people waiting as you kind of go look at another movie or something like that. You got to be, I mean, we've left a movie before and guys been in another movie because they left, you know. So. Hey. Hey, tell, tell Kirby we'll talk to him after the show. All right. Yeah, that's good. Just, just so you know, Coach, the Barbie movie I told, has – I told the guy I was doing a podcast, but he still he still called me, so he didn't care. The Barbie movie has grossed $525 million in America and $1.2 billion worldwide. Is that right? Did so it's a phenomenon. You take your kids – my wife went to go see it with a coworker, but didn't take the kids. No, both my daughters went. They, you know, they dressed up in pink and went because when they were growing up, they had the Barbie house and all that stuff. I didn't know they had it, but I was, <laughs> they told me all about it. But. Yeah, I'm sure Mary took care of that. Uh, speaking of, if you're going someplace and you want to do something neat this weekend, or actually this week, I want to mention our friends over at um, uh, Athens Ford. A, they have a great vehicle for going to see, you know, going to the Barbie movie or going to see Oppenheimer or going anywhere. You want to go to the movies, you get a new vehicle there. But uh, this uh, week, they're having Aaron Mur an Aaron Murray autograph signing. It's going to be, uh, I think, uh, August 18th, which, if I'm not mistaken, should be Friday. So uh, he's got a 10 o'clock show, and then from 11 to 1, he's got a signing. So if you want to go by and see uh, ESPN analyst and Players Lounge host and record-setting former quarterback, Go check out Aaron Murray and his autograph signing on August 18th out at Athens Ford. Um, fun stuff going on out there. They got a lot of great deals, uh, great financing, and a great uh, staff. And if you ever go to their Facebook page, you see how they give out awards. Um, if you, uh, they do the reviews that they get from Rate My Dealer or Through the Roof, you know, they have a thing called Five Star Friday where they, you know, they highlight the five star reviews they get. They get a ton of them. And uh, one of the things I noticed is I just drove by there the other day on my way to Sam's Club, looked into the uh, lot, a ton of inventory, a ton of cars, and they're even talking about it, and they're crowing about the sheer number of vehicles they have. So if you're looking for a good vehicle, swing by Athens Ford. They will take care of you. Also, I want to mention our friends at Europi. Today is Double Points Tuesday, but they're uh, doing a neat deal for uh, back to school. So if you are... If you've got kids going back to school, you said classes start tomorrow for UGA. Uh, I'm sure that either your kids are starting or about to start and the uh, uh, K through 12, you're, uh, there's a lot going on, as, Kirby, as Coach was talking about. You know, when the players, they got other things on their mind, you have other stuff on your mind. You're trying to make sure it works out. Uh, dinner may be the last thing on your mind. Hit up our friends at Your Pie. They have a promo code on the app. Go in and to uh, more, get coupons and type in school lunch, no space, uh, school lunch. And that gives you a huge discount. I think it's um, buy one, get one and half off. 
So, so check out the uh, promos on the Europi app. It's they're doing a different promo each week of this kind of going back to school period. So uh, th those folks understand things get a little hectic this time of year and they're trying to take care of you. At the news conference with Kirby Smart after the first scrimmage, he knew he was going to be asked about quarterbacks and how they played. Everyone's interested in that. Here's what he had to say about uh, Carson Beck and how he played. Oh, he does a really good job. I mean, all three of them do. Like executing the offense, you got to remember all three of them were in it last year um, and have been in it for a while. The verbiage doesn't change. So, like, they know and can execute the offense. The players around them have to make plays and they have to avoid catastrophe situations because you know we have a defense that, that that causes havoc so coach it sounds like that he thinks that that defense is something special and the offense has to be explosive yeah but just don't make mistakes is the first thing well he's right about all of that he's talking about i think uh and it's going to make the offense better going against each other just like i thought the defense improved going against our prolific offense last year. Uh, but the point he made about knowledge of system, uh, I've, I've made this point on this podcast several times. If you're coming out of the huddle and you know what you're supposed to do and who your keys are and you know that your supporting cast is going to do what they're supposed to do, it, it's very uh, comfortable to be in that kind of role. But if you're worried about getting a snap, if you're worried about it, so 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 and so is going to be able to take care of that guy rushing off the edge and all these different things then it's hard to be focusing in on your uh, assignment but uh, uh quarterback mentality is is really kind of like a golfer hitting a ball uh, across the water if you expect to hit it across the water you're going to probably do it because of your fundamentals but if you start worrying about well there's a lot of wind i don't know it's you know, all those things got to go through your mind psychologically. So, uh, uh, but I think Kirby making the point about confidence, uh, believing in your fellow players, all that, that that's part of being a quarterback uh, at any school, but particularly here. And then you mentioned we've had, we've been spoiled and I hope we can continue. But we've really been good about taking care of the ball and not having, uh, you know, when we had that turnover against Ohio State last year, it looked like a different team, you know, because all of a sudden our defense is in the red zone and having to stop somebody. We, we very rarely turn the ball over. And uh, from what I heard the other day, they had a couple tip passes, but uh, no really fumbles. Uh, they work on ball security uh, as much as any team I've ever watched. Uh, uh, over my career. So, and they also work on creating turnovers at the same time. So if you're doing a drill on ball security, then the defensive guy that's trying to take the ball away from you is trying to work on creating a turnover. If you're working on uh, looking the ball in, then you have a defensive back running through you. Then it, all those are part of our MO that we, we do a good job with. I want to add a real quick story to you talk about them working on ball security. When we go out and we watch drills and if they're finishing up ball security, we're, we get so mad because we only have limited time to watch practice and to watch them work on ball security. Like, this, this doesn't tell us anything. But there was a fantastic teaching moment that I saw from Todd Hartley. Uh, he's got two freshman uh, tight ends and 
Lost a lucky Pierce Berlin. And, you know, they throw the ball on the ground. And those guys have to dive on top of it. And Lawson jumped down. I'm pretty sure it's Lawson. And curls up around the ball. And Todd Hartley goes, no, 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 no. Runs over to him and shows him how to lay on the ground with the ball. I.e., don't put your knees on top of each other side by side because when those, as you call them, coach, the Chilardos land on top of it, your knees are going to ground together and you're going to hurt something. Offset them, bring your knees up to protect the ball, wrap over. And it was like, there's a science to how you lay on a football? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, I didn't know any of that. But again, it's also how to keep the ball from getting ripped out while you're on the bottom of the pile and how not to get hurt. I'm like, man. It's just yeah, that's that's really good point that, uh, you know, there's a way to do that, that that you talk about. And the reason you do that is, first of all, you don't want to get hurt but by just laying on the ball. And second, you want to protect your extremity. So, uh, and thirdly, you want to secure the ball. So we always talk about, you know, when you're running with the ball as a, a, a guy, you want to put the ball between your, these two webs here because those are your strongest two fingers. And and you want to scrape your rib cage like this instead of exposing like this and get hit in the back. So we say rock the baby. But when you get to protect the ball on a fumble, you put, you put the web under both uh, on both tips of the ball, these two webs here, and roll them up like this. And then – Turn on your side and as, like Roddy was explaining to Coach Hartley, let your legs be uh, where you wouldn't get a, a hit there. They, uh, both knees together, you, you're kind of in a bird dog type situation and you're crawled up in the fetal position with your arms. Yeah, exactly. So, but let's just let's just point out this one point here. If, if you, there's a fumble in the course of a game, and an offensive lineman has a chance to recover the ball and has an edge on a defensive player, he has to know how to, to secure the ball and take care of it. Just like a defensive player needs to know how to pick the ball up and scoop and score. You know, how many times have you seen a defensive player try to pick it up and not pick it up, and then he loses the ball, and then the defense – doesn't not, not only get the turnover, but the offense keeps it. So the offensive player works on Coach uh, uh, Searles will throw the ball out and they'll run and they'll show him how to fall and roll over and then do that technique. But the defensive player, the real, real key on the scoop and score is to do a little skip before you pick the ball up. If you skip, that gets your body under control, then you can pick it up gradually and take it. But if you're going full speed and put your hands down, a lot of times you won't be able to maintain <laughs> mobility. So a little skip at the point of attack, skip, skip to Malu <laughs> for the touchdown. So there's my there's my coaching for today on ball security. I mean, it's interesting how they have to teach this to become instinctual, right? Because I think when you see a football on the field, you think, just get the ball. And it's so many times we've seen players fall directly on top of the ball and then the ball squirts loose some other way. Yeah, you fall on, if you fall directly on it, you're not getting much coaching. I mean, yeah. you, you've got to protect yourself. But you also, there's a lot of stuff that happens at the bottom of a pile now. I mean, I could get. This, That's what this, he was talking about. <laughs> this could be, be R-rated, some things that happened to me on the bottom of a pile. Same. Uh, recovering a fumble and all. I used to hate that. I mean, I had to do it because, you know, 
maybe I fumble or somebody else, but the quarterback's usually closest to it. But we had a guy in a big game against Nebraska that we gave a game ball to because, you know, in the wishbone, you're going to have fumbles and everything, but that doesn't mean that the other team has to get it. We had a guy named Anthony Stafford from St. Louis, Missouri. He didn't get $259,000 like that guy did yesterday to go to high school and keep going. But he a subtle plug in there, but he really recovered three fumbles against Nebraska that we fumbled. And wow. after that guy fumbled the third time, one of our offensive linemen, we're playing at Nebraska. 90-some thousand people, maybe a 1,000 of them for Oklahoma. And Anthony Phillips went up to this guy. His name is Rodney Anderson, good fullback. But he said, Rodney, I'm just going to tell you one time, if you fumble another time, I'm going to beat the shit out of you right here in front of everybody. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe it. And uh, Rodney, okay, I won't, I won't. But uh, Anthony recovered all those. And we beat, we beat Nebraska that day, but we had – I think six fumbles and recovered every one of them. Well, Coach, you said things that happened to you in the bottom of a pile. I want to know if you had done some unsavory things yourself in the bottom of the pile. I never bit anybody in the crotch or did anything like that. I mean, uh, you, you guys got – they bite you down there. I mean, people trying to get the ball, they bite you. Not necessarily in the crotch, but different places. And then, you know, just scratch you and claw you. I mean, it, hey, you, you're doing anything to get the ball, and the refs don't see that, so. It's not good. I don't like those. I mean, of course, I didn't like any contact. I mean, I don't know that I was afraid, but I wasn't real brave. Well, one of my favorite things after a scrimmage, the other clip we have from Kirby Smart, is he was asked about, is anyone on the team ready? I guess meaning for game action. And he sounded just like a coach ought to at this point in fall camp to me. Hmm, no, can't say I was impressed with anybody's readiness today. The, 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 the readiness come, came about third down period after about 66% of the practice was over. I thought that it ramped up and the competitiveness went up, but it wasn't like that earlier. So I don't know if they had just decided I'm going to push right through this and get through it, but I didn't see a group that I was just like, ooh, man, they're dominant. They, they came out here today to really make the opponent not want to play them. I, I didn't see that. So what do, what do you look for as a coach to see when they are game ready? Yeah, I mean, you know, just uh, body language, uh, enthusiasm, uh, knowing where to be, uh, not making assignment mistakes, uh, guys not coming out like they need to on special teams. You look, you know, getting the subs in. All those are things that you, you, you feel like that that's why you got three more weeks to work on. And you got to coach the coaches too here. I mean, some of those situations that happen during the scrimmage, you can't really uh, practice and plan on that. They just occur all of a sudden. You know, for instance, uh, what are you going to do if your third, if your first two guys that are on the punt team at this position go down during the game? Who's the next guy? Usually, you got the second guy ready, but the third one. So uh, you got to be ready for stuff like that. And the one thing that I will take up for for our team uh, that I used to for our own team is it's hard to practice against each other and let and and have three full units of kicking uh, everything because you got to get a every time you get a third team punt 
out there, you got to get a third team scout team and you don't necessarily want your first and second team guys doing that. So you got a lot of guys that hadn't even played before out there running the uh, cards to run the scout team for you. So, and the, more than likely they're not going to look as good as you need them to look compared to the first two units. So it all adds up, but I was glad to hear him say that they uh, look good against each other in the situational stuff because, you know, right now, and all of us know, we know what won for us last year and we know what almost got us beat. So those are things that you can relate to when you're meeting with the players and you're installing all this stuff. They'll show clips of uh, either ourselves or somebody else not handling the situation like they need to, and this is what we need to do. And then that mental rep carries over to the field. We have a lot of listener questions on specific players. We'll get to those after a word from our friends at My Perfect Franchise. Roddy, I know Andy Ledecky, Brandon Beachy, they've helped a lot of people get out of uh, their current work situations and into situations where they can be their own boss. Yeah, it, it's a free service. So you call up either one of them and you speak to them. Of course, Brandon was the former Braves pitcher and Andy is the one who started the entire business. Uh, you got to love the fact that uh, you can call them, talk to them for free, and they can say, look, you're, th you're thinking of getting into having a roofing franchise or a uh, house cleaning franchise or whatever franchise it is. I got you covered. Um, here's somebody that's done it. I can show you somebody specifically in your state or nearby. And here's the trouble they had. Here's the things that worked for them. Here's how they marketed it. Uh, here's what their investments were. And you get real world information from somebody who's done it, who's created it, who's was part of the process without having to, uh, oh, let me do a Google search on how to open a roofing franchise. So that's the best part about uh, dealing with the folks at My Perfect Franchises. They've been through it and it doesn't cost you anything. And they are only compensated when you are successful, you know, and so you find the franchise you like. And of course, they can say, hey, you're thinking about opening uh, uh, this uh this type of franchise, let me tell you the problems we've had with that in the past, you know, so they can, uh, you can avoid the pitfalls and hit on the things that work. So reach out to myperfectfranchise.net. Andy Ledecky and those folks will do a great job for you. Also want to mention our friends over at Dead Soxie. This is uh, a great company started by two former Ole Miss guys. Okay. They decided that uh, they didn't like the socks that were out there. They started making new socks. They made them with this fantastic yarn that's incredibly soft. They don't slide down your leg. So if you're getting ready for football season, you're like, man, I'm going to go cheer. I'm going to be jumping up and out of my seats and stuff like that. Well, you can get the red and black socks. You can get the uh, uh, what's the uh, gold socks. You know, you can get the, uh, the, the purple. The, the, the LSU ones I was thinking of, they have some good ones there. They have Al socks for Alabama fans. They have socks for South Carolina fans, if you like that garnet. Of course, uh, UNC, basically, if you have a color scheme for your team, you can get that. But if it not, if you're like, hey, I don't wear colored socks like that. I don't wear those to uh, games or to the boardroom. They have classic socks that are just incredibly comfortable. You will love them. And use promo code UGA Sports to get 20% off your order hit up our friends at deadsoxy.com. This question from Stick Dees watching on YouTube. Coach Don, please talk about Oscar Delp and his progression and weight gain to play his own version of the Darnell Washington role. Okay, uh, first of all, he's not going to be Darnell Washington. That, that, that 
guy comes along about every 30 years that that's big, that big, and they can run and block like he. I think though he's just got to be himself. You know, uh, he's a very agile guy. He's got good hands. He's developed more strength and uh, got some really good uh, work his first spring because uh, both Gilbert and uh, Washington and and Bowers was out some too. So he got a lot of work. He knows what to do. He's very, uh, you know, he's a lot like Bowers, just like has good good body control. And uh, I think the one thing that we won't see quite as much maybe is what we call 12 personnel because of our lack of depth there, uh, you know, uh, Goaty left and went to uh, Mississippi State and Seether went to Georgia Tech. And I hear both of them, uh, we've got Lucky and Delp and Sperling come along. But not so much because we don't have the tight ends, but I just think our receivers are so good, hard to keep uh, raw, raw and uh, Dominic Lovett uh, off the field. So you got to realize who you're going to put out there, but he will have a big role in our attack. Uh, if we're winning big, he'll probably play, you know, play probably more than Bobbitt's from some of these games. So uh, I'm really glad we got him. He's a good player. Johnny Surf Dog on YouTube says, I had some beers with former dogs Steve Herndon and Mike Lucky, and they sang Coach Donnan's praises about how cool he is. Coach Donnan is very beloved by his players to this day. Well, that's nice. Uh, I know Mike is really proud of having Lawson here, and uh, and we're we're proud that he's here too. Uh, you know, you know, he, he and his brother Dustin were over here the other day. Uh, my son uh, was here from Oklahoma, and uh, he saw Mike and Dustin, and uh, they were very glad to see him because you know he was actually coaching here when they were playing. But as far as Stephen Herndon, uh, boy, what a good player he was for me. Yeah. In the pros, uh, a lot of people don't talk about that old line, but we had so many guys that get drafted off that team. Uh, you know, Stephen and uh, Matt Stinscom and uh, and uh, Foster and uh, Chris Terry. I saw Chris Terry just turned fifty the other day. Yeah, and uh, one of the best best deals I ever did at Georgia was call Chris in my office and say, hey, "Chris, having a hard time getting on the field. I promise you." Ten years from now, you'll think that this is the best meeting you ever had because I'm going to move you to offensive tackle, and you're going to make a lot of money. Well, ended up marrying Nyquil, and they had some kids and all, and he did a good job. I'm telling you now, uh, Stephen Herndon and, and Chris Terry were really good on together. I went to Steve's uh, wedding up there at the chapel here on campus. Uh, those are good memories. I'm glad they brought that up. That makes me feel good. Steve, uh, Steve's still one of the biggest human beings I've ever felt. I was just intimidated by. <laughs> He's thick. He's thick. Matthew Goodwin on Facebook. Who will be the number two quarterback? I think a lot of that depends on who's going to be the number one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Matt thought he was slick. <laughs> we got a lot of uh, competition there, and I think people uh, continue to talk about Gunner because he's very good. Uh, Gunner Stockton from Raven County, Raven Gap. Uh, dad's a high school coach. Uh, he actually played against me when he was uh, – my teams when he was playing at Georgia Southern. Really good player down there. And uh, so I, I think after this week, 
uh, next Saturday, then there'll be a really good feel for who's the depth chart to me. Uh, because you got to stab, you can't be alternating going into your last week. So, I'm, you know, some teams do that. But Don't do that to Jim Harbaugh. Not for this year, but I'm saying last year when he started a quarterback each of the first two games, a different quarterback. Well, Jim's got his own reason for doing things. And uh, he, he, I, I saw where he said he's going to break the record for most draft choices on uh, in any draft this year. So he, he's really excited about his team. There's a lot of uh... – comments about how good Gunnar Stockton looked in the scrimmage, but everyone didn't know that was with the second and third team. And I think that uh, we always, we're always excited about the next guy up, the newest guy. And uh, everyone's like, well, what about Brock Bowers? And what about Carson Beck? Oh, and, and it, the idea that it's a done deal that Carson Beck is the guy based on his spring performance. Uh, so I know that we can't, uh, we won't know exactly how it's going to bear out coach, but how much stock do you put into the narrative that there's not really a quarterback competition that is Carson Beck's team based on the spring. You know, I can't read uh, Coach Smart or Coach Bobo's mind, and I don't. I don't feel like it's my role to ask him about stuff like that because I, I wouldn't want to share anything uh, that I shouldn't share. But I would never do that. But I just feel like that. To me, there's a certain amount of paradox here. It's really good to know you're the man. I mean, yeah. it's good to know that you're the guy out there and you don't have to be go out there with a tight butt every day worrying about a little mistake. But at the same time, it's good to see how a guy's going to react knowing that he's got somebody that might take his job too because if he can't handle that, then how's he going to handle game situations? So I think we're in that point right now. Which guy consistently – takes care of the ball, reacts to the pressure of going against our defense and all that. And it's a lot easier to, to make that decision based on 29 practices, of, of which most of them are similar contact type deal as compared to 15 spring practices when you didn't really know who all your support group was going to be. So uh, I think it, unless it's a, just a no-brainer, then you're better off putting that pressure on them from from my handling quarterbacks, that's for sure. It seems like a lot of that pressure is just how do you handle being the celebrity that comes with being a quarterback at a place like Georgia? And Because like all these guys can throw a football. You don't get to this point if you don't know how to throw a football. Uh, now, you have to learn coverages and read defenses and all that stuff, but it seems like that next step of becoming a face of a program can be very difficult for some people if they're not ready for that. Yeah, I mean, that goes with the territory. But uh, to me, that's the easiest part because you got to get to that point. Once yeah. you, you can you can learn how to handle the press and do all that, and they'll give them some experience on that and talk to them. But uh, it's I, I asked Carson Beck specifically about that. We were in L.A. Uh, knowing that, that was, that's been his last game. I'm like, hey, are you ready to be in that fishbowl? Have everybody analyzing everything you do with magnifying glasses and he – <laughs> he said he was very, very ready for it. So. Yeah, he's been waiting in line, and he, he definitely deserves that first shot, and he's he's done a good job with it. I know one of the things I always talked about in prominent programs when I recruited, regardless where it was, was I used to talk to quarterbacks about, hey, you know, if you just think about the perspective of not only being the quarterback, but being the face of a program in this state, 
how it's going to reflect on your career when you get out of coaching, out of playing. And long term, there's a tremendous benefit from being the quarterback in this program, whether it's Oklahoma or Georgia, wherever it might be, Florida State. So uh, coaches talk to uh, players about that. I mean, there, there's a real significance. I mean, you walk around, I mean, of course, Grant Tarkenton had a great career in the pros, but he did it in Georgia too, Buck Ballou, I mean, uh, David Green, uh, you know, DJ Shockley, whoever it might be, you, you just got a lot of, lot going for you once you get out because of name recognition and 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 people in there. And Murray just said he's doing some autographs here. I mean, Aaron Murray is using his celebrity status a lot of different ways, and, they, and more power to him. He had a great career here. He's helping George out. He's hustling hard right now. If you're going to go see Aaron Murray at Athens Ford, you should make plans to eat dinner over there at Academia Brewing Company. Absolutely. I mean, they're all, they're always adding new things to the menu at Academia Brewing Company. I love the uh, uh, fried chicken sandwiches they have for lunch now and the uh, Philly cheese steak that you can get. Of course, there's always great beer over there. Uh, the uh, They had a new barley wine that I'm just going to tell you is fantastic. So when you go over there and you walk in, there's these giant coolers. They have them in the front. They used to just have one. Now they have a lot more. And, of course, they have, they have a lot of merchandise up there. But as you leave, after you've had this great lunch, after you've had all these uh, the flights of beers where you get four different uh, small pours and you can try four different beers, and then if you like one, you can order a bigger one of it, be sure to stop by that case on your way out and open up the doors, grab a couple six-packs, four-packs, uh, individual bottles or, or individual cans, whatever you like, and grab some of that beer, take it home with you, let your friends try it. Your good friends, not not just casual friends, good friends. You don't want to waste uh, good beer on that. So try the wonderful beer over at Academy Brew Company and go by. And they're going to be super busy this week. They've got the um, uh, Trivia Tuesday, Dollar Wings Wednesday, Poker on Thursday. And, of course, they have also they always have their uh, uh, bike nights and their classic car shows. There's always something going on over at Academy Brew Company. i got a question for you, Roddy. How do you decide – what you're going to eat there. Do you, you have an idea before you go or you just look at the menu? I, I don't, I mean, I go in there with the idea of getting something and then I read the menu and I change. I mean, they got so many different things. It's hard to believe. I walk in every time with my mind on getting that Cerebus sandwich, but you know, Cerebus, the three headed dog of Greek mythology. Cerberus? Cerebus. Yeah. Is it Cerebus or Cerberus? Cerebus. Whatever it is, it's good. And I tell you, the it's, it's, it's three meats. And that's what I want, but I always talk myself into something else. Brats are world class. Oh yeah, and the um, the flatbreads are great. Uh, that uh, uh, new sandwich they have, the uh, Philly cheese sandwich, that's just phenomenal. So that's, try them. That's enough. Let's get going. It makes me hungry. I'm hungry now. <laughs> yeah. From Dog KC, who has a bigger impact this season, Makai Muse or Cash Jones? And then also, if they do have an impact, is Georgia walk on you? Oh, I mean, we certainly have had our share of good walk-ons over the years. That's uh, for certain. But uh, both these guys are very capable athletes that are beyond being the, just a, a walk-on now. They, they're making contributions in a lot of different areas. So, uh, you know, I, I certainly think that Muse maybe might get more a little bit more action because of the return game. He could be involved in punt return and kickoff return. 
Cash depends on who's playing on offense. If he's in the top three, then he probably get more touches than uh, Muse because he's, you know, a running back gets the ball a lot more than a receiver. So they're both good, good kids, good players, and uh, you got to have role players on every team, not necessarily their role. Um, any less or more than anybody else, but they were role players that are starting to become more prominent. And uh, I, I just see you watch Deuce on the other night play for the Cowboys against uh, the Jaguars. And, you know, he played at K-State. He's like 5'5". Five, five, and, you know, there's a role for the guy. I mean, he can – he's hard to miss. And uh, I think Muse maybe could probably take him in the pivot in a basketball game because he's a couple inches taller. So, uh <laughs> Is, is very – and he's kind of the guy that fans are going to gravitate to because he's a smaller guy and they, they see him be successful and all. But, you know, he just he's just going to be a fan favorite, I think. He, he's just a terrific young man. From Getter on UGA Sports, which player on the team would win an arm wrestling championship this season? I think probably Fairchild. Uh of course, a lot of times the leverage that you have has something to do with it. The guy's real strong, maybe doesn't have enough leverage. But Fairchild and uh, certainly uh, Chambliss is strong too. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to ask Sinclair when I'm over there who might win one. But uh, that's a good question. Well, the second part of the question is which coach or supporting staffer would win the arm wrestling championship? Probably Sinclair, right? I'd have to go with Jonas Jennings. Ooh. If that's a tournament, I, I think Trey Scott goes pretty far. Trey could too. I mean, I mean, but Jonas strong. I'm gonna disagree on the uh I, I think Dylan Fairchild, they said he's one of the strongest guys in the program, but give me the speed guy. Give me somebody who's fast and strong. I mean, give me Dylan Bell. Because and the only reason I say this is my older brother used to t- hustle people for money. When it came to arm wrestling, he and his buddy Tommy, they'd go to Daytona Beach or someplace. And he'd be at the back of the bars taking on all challengers in arm wrestling for 10 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. And these big guys coming down from Ohio and Iowa with arm wrestling. And Jimmy's a big guy, but he was just faster than they were. So the minute they said go, his wrist was twisted and they lost. And if he didn't beat him in the first three seconds, he wouldn't beat him. So give me that quick twitch and the giant biceps on Dylan Bell. I think he wins it. Well, if you're talking about that, how about Mr. Strong Guy and uh, uh, Branson Robinson? I mean, good Lord. Yeah. Notice today that Branson, uh, Bruce Feldman from the Athletic had his top 100, what they call football freaks, and uh, Brock Bowers and Branson Robinson were included. And I was surprised that he didn't have Munden and a couple others, but uh, it's hard to have more guys than one from each school, but. Okay, what's next? Big Fatty 94, which couple of players do you see growing up the most from last year to this year? Big Fatty. <laughs> fatty Fatty Cincinnati. No, uh, <laughs> I mean, the guy used to say that all the time. Uh, growing up the most, uh, certainly uh, uh, that could be a lot of different guys, but uh, I really – I think some of these young guys are starting to really jump out that it could be a, 
any of uh, of a lot of them, but uh, I, I've seen Julian Humphrey make a lot of a lot of bounds here at, at corner, gotten a lot stronger. Uh, certainly uh, on the O line, uh, Ernest Green and Blasky, that combination. Uh, so I would say those guys. From Rectog twenty seven, Georgia's Twitter post yesterday had a two word caption. It said stacking reps. How important is the early portion of Georgia's schedule this year in relation to getting reps for those younger players? Yeah, it'll help you because, you know, you always, I've said this before, you, you kind of hope that, you, you know, you can choreograph how the game's going to go and you'll be able to get these guys in and all. But think about Kent State last year. I mean, we were supposed to destroy them and things didn't work out. The uh, same thing we, we call the – quarter off against uh, Sanford uh, after three quarters or we cut it down or something. But uh, you, you definitely – those game reps when the when the crowd's there and the band's playing, I'll help you. But uh, the practice reps, and we get an inordinate amount of practice reps because we do what we call a two-spot. Uh, while one group's at one end of the field, the other group's at the other, and you, you're getting twice as many reps and you're getting more experience. So – uh, we get three to one reps during the week compared to the game. So uh, we'll be ready. Good follow-up from Billy Zane. When you have an experienced commodity like a Bowers or a McConkie, how do you balance wanting to avoid injury but also getting quality reps from them and helping keep them sharp and developing cohesion with other players? Yeah, I read where Kirby was talking about uh, Lassiter being hurt and uh, – missing the time and his reaction was hey uh he he needs the reps he played certainly last year but that was the first time he played so he needs to continue to get better you want your really good players to become great players and the only way to do that is competition and practice in the case of Bowers and McConkey among the better players in the country both of them Brock might be the best and McConkey's right up there and uh they don't, if you listen to Todd Hartley, uh, they don't want to come out of practice and you got to be careful about uh, working them too hard. But there's a real fine line there for the question from Billy of getting enough to keep that edge and then letting the other guys learn what to do and, and making sure they're fresh. So uh, their, their position coach knows what to do there. But there's so much you can do that to get them ready, it's not necessarily – 11 on 11. They can be doing individual drills against the linebackers or individual drills against the secondary or whatever it might be. They helps your aerobic conditioning and, and uh, you're not subject to the physical pounding of 11 on 11. We'll sneak in two more here. Scott Mack, 1972. I know a team or two will pop up and be better than expected, but looking at Georgia's schedule and how soft it appears, does Coach think that it'll be a challenge for Kirby to keep the team focused on week-to-week during the season? And even if Georgia keeps focus, does the schedule hurt Georgia when stronger teams come in to finish the season, the whole iron sharpens iron thing? Yeah, if, if we didn't have the depth and we didn't practice so hard against each other, I would say the schedule would be hard because – you're not getting uh, the competition that you're going to get against some of the better teams or in the playoffs or the SEC championship. But daily they're going against a player uh, on the other sides as good as anybody you're going to play. Now, there might be one or two better in certain selective teams around the country, but uh, 
that that's really a non-issue for us because uh, as much as I can create an atmosphere of you worrying about something <laughs> on a scale of one to 100, 100, do not worry about that because you've got the ultimate, the thing I worry about is him working them so hard that, that they, to prove that they're not complacent that, you know, they might get, he's not, he knows he's, he's got a good feel for that better than anybody. Better than any coach I've ever been around about how to get his team ready. From DRock UGA, this is a question for Coach Orati. Each fall camp, Kirby Smart brings in special speakers. In the past, it's been Inky Johnson or Shep Shepard. Roddy revealed one this week that was brought in. Who else has Kirby brought in to address the team? Coach Kroon was the only one that I've noticed that's addressed the team. We put that note on UJ Sports this morning. Uh, Sly Kroon, Sylvester was – a fantastic coach at uh, Mississippi State, one of the, uh, the first African American coach in the SEC. And I, when I went to look him up real quick, and uh, did not realize how effective and how long he coached in the NFL. <laughs> Man has an NFL pedigree that's uh, decades long. It's pretty impressive. But he's the only one I know of. But you, the, the they, he's right. They do bring in a lot of them. We hear a lot more about it during the um, like during the week, during the season, bringing somebody in to address them. Yeah, I'm not going to get hyped up, but just to, to talk to them about stuff like that. And they do a great job with the speakers. He always brings in Shep. I mean, he's great. He, I think – I don't know that he's come this year, but he doesn't. I heard that uh, maybe Dante Stallworth was another guy that might be coming or a came. I'm not sure if he did or not. But I, I, I heard you say about Sylvester, that's good. He, he's a good man to have here. And uh, – he can relate to the players, that's for sure. I'll sneak in one last question here from uh, Facebook as it just came in. David West, Coach, what do you think about Coach Streeter being on the staff as an analyst? Uh, it was sad how Clemson treated him at the end, but he did coach Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Not bad. Yeah, he did. And uh, kind of the fall guy there. I mean, you know, Clemson went down, didn't make the playoffs. Uh, Brandon Streeter's an excellent coach. I know Kirby – considered him for a full-time job here a couple of times, but he didn't want to leave Clemson. So it's kind of icing on the cake to get him and Daryl Dickey here, two coordinators. Daryl from Texas A&M, who knows the conference, who's game planned against Mississippi and some of the Auburn and teams we play. And Brandon brings a different vibe in here of how they do it at Clemson uh, to talk about, to add to our structure. I know he's working – with Coach Hartley, kind of like Coach Bobo did last year. And uh, Coach uh, Dickey's kind of working with the O-line with Searles because we already have uh, Montgomery Van Gorder there with the quarterbacks who knows the system. So uh, Coach Dickey is very astute, a very good guy in the press box. When you look at the Memphis teams early on there, uh, when uh, – the coach at Florida State was there. Uh, they, that was Daryl Dickey calling the plays. And then when he was at A&M, he was a coordinator. But, of course, Jimbo was calling the plays. So, got good support staff. and got some good guys on defense. And, of course, Kurt Benedict with our special teams from Duke. What a tremendous young coach he is. A good guy, good father. Uh, just classy guys to have around here. Well, I go back to what – Mike Bobo said he was asked point blank, you know, why did you come to Georgia, you know, last year and not three years ago when there was an opening? 
And he said, look, it wasn't the right time then. But the main reason I came was not to, as much as I love this community, and he talked about his kids being born here and growing up here and his, meeting his wife here. And he said, the community's great. I came to be a part of that Kirby Saban coaching tree to see how they do it. It was basically professional growth to make myself a better coach. Then the job opened up at offensive coordinator and he, you know, he took it. But this was a guy who, like Streeter, like Dickey, it's like, you know, if you're a coach, you're all you have to keep innovating, you have to keep learning. And they are now learning uh, from Kirby Smart and how he runs practices and how they do stuff. But at the same time, Kirby's the number one guy to go out there and say, hey, how do you do it? How can we improve? We got to get better every day. So getting that mind trust in there, I think it's just a uh, it, it can only pay off. So, so is Leanna ready for the joke? Hit, hit us up, Coach. So this guy goes to the doctor and uh, he says, uh, you know, I just can't, I can't keep from uh, singing the green, green grass of home. And the doctor says, well, you've got the Tom Jones syndrome. And he said, is that common? He said, it's not unusual. Oh, God. <laughs> There was a great clip from the Atlanta Braves last night where the camera person was following uh, just like a fan walking down a concourse. And John Smoltz was a special guest analyst for the Braves. And he goes, you know what they call that, don't you? Footage. Uh, and it was just wonderful. All right. I, yeah. That's a good joke. Dude. You're a band from the show, Coach. Nope. I, no, Roddy, you're banned from the show because you don't like that joke. I love that joke. That's <laughs> great. Hey, uh, it's definitely good. I'm, I'm just telling you this. Enjoy this year. It's a good time to be a dog. Uh, yeah. uh, really impressive young men we've got out there. Yes, sir. I uh, Next week, we'll be talking about uh, Georgia getting closer to the season opener. We'll probably have a couple scrimmage tidbits or at least some rumors and such. We'll probably we need to talk a little bit about recruiting and some of the uh, stuff that's going on there. And if you missed our recruiting show last night, we had a very deep dive into the Williams Dewanery thing and the KJ Bolton thing and some of the issues that are uh, some of the changes is happening out there in the recruiting world. So be sure to tune into our show last night if you missed it. And of course, uh, it won't be long before you guys start having around the league where you start previewing all the SEC games. I'm very much looking forward to that. So let me ask you this, Roddy and Dane: If you were in a state where you could get your your uh, NIL as a high school senior, and you could still maybe change your mind and go to another school in January, and somebody offered you two hundred fifty thousand dollars, would you take it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean that Missouri, Missouri, California. Some of these states got a good rule there. I mean these guys get that NIL money if they, you know, are going to an in-state school. But in California, it doesn't matter. That kid that went to Texas, to Tennessee last year, he started getting paid. Uh, what's his name? Nick, whatever his name was. He he started Amon or whatever. He started getting paid, but uh, yeah. this collective thing, they got to get some kind of statewide rules that are the same for every state. I think that's, it's not right. Well, stick these has a question there. How likely would Kirby be to call Kemp and change the Georgia NIL law? Uh, and folks, what we're talking about is the law in Missouri allows for a in-state player to start receiving NIL funds, uh, compensation while they're still in high school, as long as they've either signed a national letter of intent 
or an official agreement. And the official agreement is very vague. What, that means on September 1st, uh, anybody could sign a financial aid agreement. Now, remember, you can sign a financial aid agreement with the school. That does not lock you into going into that school. Only the National Letter of Intent does. So you could sign a financial aid agreement with 10 different schools. But if you are in the state of Missouri and you sign one with a in-state school, then you can go ahead and start receiving NIL funds uh, compensation. That's why it's a little bit different between Georgia and the Peach State and Missouri. And that's why we get stick the easiest question is, hey, when's Georgia going to do that? And I guarantee you're going to see a lot of people saying we need to change the law because if somebody has a leg up on a five star, two five stars, they might also get Ryan Wingo. So well, they can get Ryan Wingo is given. And I will say this. What's the date? August 15th? August 15th. If if Drinkwitz makes it through this year, which I don't know. I mean, they they got a tough schedule. and But the way they're starting to use that in-state situation, they worry me a little more than Florida does right now. Yeah. The type of players that they're getting. They're smart. Yeah. They're starting to build up a pretty dang good, and you saw their defense last year. So, uh, but it'll be interesting to see. He's he's giving up the reins on offense. He got a different guy calling the play. So we'll see how that works. But uh, you look at their roster. I mean, they got Luther Burden. They got players, and uh, this guy right here. I mean, he's he hasn't even reached maturity. I mean, seventeen years old, six six two sixty five. I mean, he's going to got like a 14 or 15 shoe. He's going to be a giant. And, uh, True. But hopefully, he'll get fired in October, and then he'll be a dog in, in the <laughs> yeah. So, root against Missouri, folks, if you want to win. I get it. Right. Uh, last question there from Johnny Serpdog saying that wouldn't help with uh, uh, Nawarni if the law was changed in Georgia because it wouldn't be students outside the state. True. But it would also maybe help you with Edric and maybe with KJ Bolden. There's a lot of five stars in the state of Georgia that that law changing could help you with. So maybe you don't need to go that far. Anyway, folks, that's all the time we have for this week's show. We went a little long. We appreciate all of you sticking around with us. Uh, extra football is always good. Extra football talk is even better. Anyway, we will see you next week. Take care.